time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back. I'm Cody Waite. Hi there, I'm Kathy Waite. And we're your hosts of the Weight Endurance Podcast, fueled by thefeed.com. And we're on to episode number 72. Topics today are... Well, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, the <laughs> fueling strategies, uh, in, in, which pertains to both the training aspect and the racing aspect. And it'll be very easy to rave on about our new partnership with The Feed. And then we'll also touch base on our next interval sessions that are, we're going to tackle. Yes, so. the 32-minute power focus. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, fueling the workouts is the, the primary topic here that does slot in perfectly with our podcast partner, thefeed.com. They are an online superstore of everything you could ever need, endurance, sports, nutrition-wise, and also some cool recovery products and things like that as well. But one of the things that's like we're I think we're both so happy to be involved with thefeed.com mm-hmm. is because we have all these options now mm-hmm. of products and different varieties of products, whether it be gels or chews or drinks or mm-hmm. bars or yeah. whatever, to fuel our workouts and our races. Right. Um, and I feel pretty lucky about that. So um, for all our podcast listeners, you can open an account at thefeed.com forward slash teams, forward slash we dash podcast dash 2022. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Put your email in there, sign up for an account, and the feed will put 20 bucks into your account to get you started. Like that is so fun. Yeah, so you can get basically 20 bucks worth of products of your choice. And then, of course, if you find some other things, which you more than likely will, that you want to add into your cart, mm-hmm. go ahead and do that as well. Um, and then the fun thing that we're enjoying is sampling different products and review reviewing um that so we're going to talk about scratch nutrition here in a moment um and we found something i think we maybe two things that we really actually like and we'll maybe continue yeah each week we've been talking about different products and it's so fun for me like i'm like that annoying person that when i go eat at a restaurant with you i'm gonna eat off your plate right you like trying everything oh my god i'm so annoying and i know that (laughs) you're like kathy please like i'll order you whatever you want stop eating my food but (laughs) so like this situation this partnership with the feed is like a dream come true for me because we get all these new items yeah i get to try you get to try everything yeah you are very what did i accuse you of this morning do you remember i don't remember we were getting ready for our ride and i'm like where are my scratch bars i think you ate them while i was gone yeah you thought i ate all your i was brushing my teeth getting more angry at you i was like sure (laughs) (laughs) sure you had eaten my bars while i was gone and then i found them in my closet um, so I apologize for that accusation, but um, I was <laughs> no feeling no really, fun. you know, protective. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about the scratch products. They, they've always been like really popular in our little bubble, and some of the kids on the team loved them. But I had not really tried much of their products, so mm-hmm. this was fun. Yeah, but before we get to that, oh, go ahead. Just quickly, like, what have we been up to? I mean, oh, right. recovery week. So yeah. honestly, not a lot. Well, actually, you went out of town briefly. Yeah, but. I guess. I just alluded to that. I, I flew home to Denver for a quick 
um, four days, three nights to see my children. And it was um, nine degrees and snowing when I got there. So I got a little shock of winter weather. Coming from Arizona, where we are now. Yeah, 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 I should have clarified. And the roads were treacherous, and I forgot how much I really just disliked driving in in wintry weather. But uh, it was fine. I got to see my babies and some friends, and uh, I didn't do anything really athletically except for a couple little core sessions and... A snowshoe with my with my friend perfect. Christine. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, I mean that's perfect for a recovery week. Go do some other things. I really wanted to get out and go hiking, but it just didn't happen. Um, but we did play pickleball before you left. Yes, for for Denver um, for several hours. You played many hours. I played a few <laughs> hours, which is a lot for me. My ankles and feet were kind of starting to get mad at me a little bit. Oh but yeah, I had it was blis- fun. I had blisters on my toes. <laughs> Um, well, everyone that listens to the show knows I love pickleball, and you don't often play with me, so it was a treat to have you out there with me. Yeah, I, 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 I had a lot of fun with it, actually. So Good. Um, yeah, and then we're now kind of gearing up for kind of what I would deem our most difficult block of training coming up in our base builder mm-hmm. program. Um, so any of you listeners um, or our athletes in the base builder program or following our base builder plans... This kind of middle segment where we're hitting the 32-minute power intervals, those are tough. But then the the next progression to VO2s, which we'll talk about in future episodes coming up here, those I think VO2 max mm-hmm. intervals are like the most challenging of all the intervals, in my opinion at least. I but, think so. So we're heading into a hard block of training. So we're hopefully recovered and motivated and mm-hmm. ready to take that on coming up. So um, that'll be good. And then we do have our QRA kit store opening. Um, it should be Monday. Uh, what is that? The 7th, February 7th. Mm-hmm. Hopefully by the afternoon. Um, and you can, it's a store open to the public. Uh, you can go to teamshop.qra.ch and I'll put the link in the show notes. And you'll find our weight endurance team shop in there we have some really cool like race inspired designs and then also this really fun i'm most excited about this like adventure series <laughs> i'm calling it so it's kind of geared towards it has far fewer logos more subdued logos and more of like a artistic okay, flair i to really it. wish people could see you when you're saying this you're like shaking your shoulders jazz hands you, you almost have jazz hands you're like adventure inspired right i'm channeling that guy from uh um schitt's creek What's the guy? Oh, David. David. I'm channeling oh, God, David. I love I him so much. Yeah, yeah, you're sort of doing that. Right. Anyway, so <laughs> check out the store, everyone. For the adventure-inspired line. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that'll be open uh, Monday. So get up there. It'll only, only be open for two weeks. Okay. Um, and podcast listeners can use the code WEIGHTENDURANCE10, all capitals, and get 10% off. Okay. So um, order some stuff up. Any proceeds that we make. Um, above and beyond the cost of the clothing and, you know, QRA's cut and all that, will go to the We Development program, so perfect. our junior writers. Yeah, um, so we've done that. We've done this the last several years. We end up making, I don't know, 500 to to 1000 yeah. bucks. We don't, like, charge settles. that much for the clothing on top of, like, what they recommend, so. Yeah. But you can rest assured it all goes to our team. Right. Um, gets more juniors to races and the stuff that they need. So um, it would be great to grab a kit and help support our We Development program. All right. Um, yeah, let's talk about Scratch again. Yes, we have <laughs> a table. Product. We have a table here with products on it because it's a good reminder what we love so much. Yeah, let's start with the 
I, I don't want to say basic. That sounds too well, plain. Like the, but, you mean like the bars and the, yeah. The, I mean, we, yeah. We, the samples we were provided were the the chews. Oh my god, I do love the which, chews. Yeah, they were very good. You know um, why I love them? Because they are coated in sugar, and that's just fun. It's like you're having a candy. It is very candy like for I, sure. And then, then I love them, and yeah. I love the sour cherry. Yeah, I think that was my favorite too. I forget now. Um, it's been like a week since I consumed Yeah, so them. I know there are a lot of like chews out there, but I do really love these. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think they have like nice texture. I mean, I find like the cliff bar chew block things like too sticky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These, these, the scratch ones don't stick to your teeth as much. I'm sort of particular about all this like sugar we consume while we're training and the damage that it's doing to our teeth. I mean, it's a trade off. We want the performance, but we are technically harming our teeth consuming all of this. And but any of those like gummy sticky things that like stick to your teeth kinda I can't really handle that. Should um, we do like a oral hygiene notice that you should brush your teeth when you get back from I, the ride? I would. I didn't want to get them I get on my soapbox a lot. Oh I was gonna pass that. Okay, one, well but. I did brush my teeth when I got back. <laughs> oh I've oh, I definitely do that. After every ride I come home and I brush my teeth for sure. Um but anyway we're getting down a rabbit hole there. Um, but oh, yeah, the, the yeah. chews were, were good. I, I mean, a chew is a chew in my mind. Um, I don't know if a chew is just a chew because no? our friend Shani rode with us this morning and mm-hmm. she, I said, Hey, do you want some ride snacks? And she's like, Oh, do you have any more of those chews? Like that was like the, the first. Scratch. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I ate them all. So she liked them. Yeah. <laughs> and she was once a cliff sponsored athlete. Ooh, and shh, don't tell everyone that she's gone over. Well, she's not anymore. Yeah, okay. So you can eat no, whatever she, she loved wants. them. She had the matcha green tea flavor and she thought it t- tasted like tamarind which is kind of a fun mm-hmm. exotic flavor mm-hmm. so she hoped i had some more but I, I didn't yeah and then we sampled um a couple different bars they have like these rice crispy mm-hmm. inspired bars um they're very light not terribly flavorful in my opinion they are good um but not something i'd probably reach for all the time but if you want something different than your typical bar these are definitely different so if you're looking for like a different texture and flavor and consistency it would be something to like throw into the rotation for sure it's not something i think i would ever like go out of my way to Mm -hmm. make sure i always have on hand but just for like a change of pace the variety is important if you're on a oh like three to five hour ride yeah you can't just like eat 10 fig bars yeah it'd make you throw up for sure and they have i think one of the cool things about scratch that i've learned is like that all their ingredients are very um simple and and for lack of a better term like natural and and designed for like to be easily digestible and provide actually some nutrition as well not just purely like Mm -hmm. sugary calories um so they do add some interesting stuff to it. And then the other bar that I do actually enjoy significantly is called their Anytime Energy Bar. Mm-hmm. I like that one too. So they have some unique flavors with like pistachio and like lemon cherry and things. They're, they're kind of a nut butter based bar, but then they have like whole food ingredients mm-hmm. in them, like whole chunks of dried fruit and nuts and depending on what the flavor profile was. Um, and I will also give them... A thumbs up in terms of like, uh, I'm making sure I'm reading this before I say it out loud. I don't think they go too heavy into like the vegetable oils and stuff. Um, most of it was like coconut oil based, if I remember right. Because um, I'm not a big fan. Ne- neither of us are big fans of vegetable oil. But um, all in all, I think they're good ingredients. They're like well-rounded on like the quote macro profile in terms of like fat and right. protein and carbohydrates. So 
not something you'd maybe eat during like a long distance race per se, but just as like a, on a ride or even just like in a pinch for if you if you're bonking going to the airport or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a good like nutrition yeah, bar. For sure. Um so yeah, all those were good. Let's move on to our two sort of like dis- favorites. favorite yeah. and kind of like discoveries for us. Let's talk about the the recovery mix. Okay. Yes, so I remembered last year during race season, Toby and Nico always had this recovery drink mix, and I was sort of intrigued, but we were, I think, just using like a product, like SIS recovery Mm -hmm. or something, and we got the Orchata recovery drink mix from scratch in the box that came from the feed, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. I've been wanting to try it, but I was a little hesitant that if I would like this flavor, it mm-hmm. seemed kind of strange to me. Oh, really? Okay. And I love it. Yeah. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I love horchata, the, the drink, the actual like drink, but... It's so good. It is very good. Um, yeah, lots of cinnamon in there. Yeah. I love anything with cinnamon. Yeah, well, I don't actually, so that's why I thought mm. I wouldn't like it. Okay. And I love it. Yeah, it's an interesting take on recovery mix because it's it's, again, it's a very simple whole food, for lack of a better term, ingredient list. I mean, it's literally, I think what they did, I don't know this for a fact, but I think what they did is, you know, the designers of this said, you know, this was, you know, think back when like chocolate milk was touted as like, this is as good as any energy or sorry, recovery drink out there. And to some degree, it is arguably in terms of like, it's got mostly carbs, it's got some protein, a little bit of fat, you know, um, those sorts of things. I think they looked at that and said, let's do chocolate milk, but make it even better. Like, let's take chocolate milk to the next level. So if you look at the ingredients list, it's literally whole milk powder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's, you know, you got that milk profile. Obviously, that won't work for anyone who's dairy related. Although, interesting, if it's like, if you have like a lactose issue, they do add the lactase enzyme. Mm -hmm. And then also some probiotics um, in the mix as well. Okay. To assist in digestion. So those that are maybe, you know, lactose intolerant or maybe just on the mild spectrum might be able to do this still. Um, now, it does rule out vegans, I suppose, but that's a different topic. So, But it does have sugar, this whole milk powder, um, then they add some uh, more sugar in the form of dextrose, and then the flavorings kind of come with that. So horchata, for those unfamiliar, is like a rice milk-based drink, Mexican drink. With it's it's like sugar and cinnamon basically in rice milk, and this has the tastes very very similar, mm-hmm. and it's delicious because I like horchata. Well, it is delicious. Um, today we we actually got the privilege of riding with a few of the kids from our We Debo team, mm-hmm. who had come down for Durang, from Durango to do a race here yesterday in, in Arizona, and Toby, who is one of the kids who loves scratch, um, said something like, "You know, I never used to do recovery drinks. I just couldn't think." to plan ahead or I wouldn't remember to, to make myself mm-hmm. a drink. But once I got the scratch or chata drink, I was like craving it. I couldn't wait to drink it when I got done. Yeah. And I think that's like really cool because these are important to replenish our mm-hmm. glycogen stores, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, so the, I guess the takeaway from that conversation was like, yes, have something around that you're going to like crave yeah. to drink. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a great argument. If it gets you to drink it, you're... A step ahead, I think, right. from the recovery standpoint. So my one critical criticism of it, in, in my opinion, is it's a little light on the protein ratio. Mm. So oh, two Sophia scoops. Oh, Sophia mentioned that. Okay. Yeah, two scoops gets you 200 calories, 
most of which is carbohydrates, which is great after a workout for recovery. It's got a little bit of fat. That's fine. Um, and then protein, there's eight grams of protein. I would, you know, with my limited, you know, dietitian knowledge, I would think somewhere closer to 20 grams of protein would be, is kind of what I sort of look for. Um, Okay. And most recovery drinks fall in line with that. So I think it's interesting that they they must have determined that maybe you don't need that much protein in a recovery drink and maybe you get your protein in the next meal you eat oh, or something like that. Okay. You know, so there are different approaches, but that would be just like one minor criticism, but again, it does it's hands down the best tasting recovery drink for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you actually literally enjoy it drinking it. Um and then, you know, I think it's a good good product overall. So and then one day I even added a third scoop, so I got 300 calories because um, it was after a really big workout, and um, that went down well too. So it you can kind of like adjust it up and down a little bit. So good product. The other one I'm really excited about and something I think I will probably integrate into racing mm-hmm. this year as well as like big workouts and stuff is the what they call their super fuel drink mix. I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's really good. So it's unique. I have yet to see a product um, made with the main ingredient of a clustered dextrin. We can get into that in a second. But their full strength is seven scoops. Um, A lot of scoops. I I laugh because (laughs) that's what I felt when I first read it. I'm like, is this a joke? Seven scoops? How are you going to have room in the bottle? Right, right. It's seven scoops, um, and it gets you 400 calories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all carbohydrates and some sodium. Um, big thumbs up on sodium. You, there's 400 milligrams, so it's not a massive amount of sodium, but um, I think that's a good starting point for sure. Um, another thing I like about this product, as opposed to or compared to, like, the Never Second C90, which mm-hmm. we were testing, and I think that's a great product as well, and, like, the Science and Sport Beta Fuel, another high-calorie carbohydrate drink, is those two, and there's others like Martin, which we haven't tried yet, come in packets, like single-serve packets. Because it's designed, their their goal is to have the drink be isotonic, um, and that has to do with the ratio of the powder to the water and the digestibility of it and the like stomach emptying of it, the gastric emptying. So they force you to basically, like, here's the amount you need to put oh, in your okay. water bottle it, to get it, it correct, right? Okay. What I like about this Scratch Super Fuel is it's it's a bag and it's a scoop. So you actually then have power over how much or how few calories you want, which what, I think What have you done so far? I've just gone full strength. Have you? From the get-go, I actually yeah. haven't once. I've, I did today five scoops for our... Um, Adventure ride. Okay, and at about sixty something calories a scoop, you're that's like a three hundred, yeah. over three hundred calories, which is still a substantial amount. It, it felt like it was enough for this little bottle I had, and I've been like working up. I think I'm like nervous. <laughs> Sounds so stupid. I'm like scarred from past experiences, but usually I don't care for drink mixes because I feel like they're too sweet and not that that cl- like cloying, like thick feeling going yeah. down your throat. And you get that sticky mouth. Yeah, I did. Feel I really disliked that so mm-hmm. i think i did three scoops the first time then four and then five mm-hmm. but i'm like i could barely taste it i, I think you're yeah. we going to talk about that but it doesn't have a strong taste it's not thick and sweet right so 300 calories went down very easily for me and i, I could definitely put in two more scoops yeah yeah and i mean back in the day like getting 300 calories in your water bottle was like a big 
success. Um, and that's back when the what was used typically was maltodextrin mm-hmm. and just pure maltodextrin. And then they figured out that if you mix maltodextrin and fructose together, you can actually get more calories without it with, with it still being able to empty from your stomach correctly and not give you like the bloaty cramp feelings that you would. If you just added more maltodextrin to make 400 calories, it wouldn't sit in your gut, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so adding some fructose, you were able to get calories up closer to 400 um, and have it still empty the way you want it to so you don't get bloated. And, you know, that was kind of a game changer. Now, this one is 400 calories at seven scoops. I think you could even potentially add more if need be um, because of this cluster dextrin, which I did a super brief, like, Google search on it. Um, but it's this interesting new, quote, new sugar. That's, I mean, it's made in a laboratory, um, like, in a little Petri dish. I don't know all the details of it. But basically, and I'm reading kind of from Google here, basically, that's it is a low glycemic sugar, so it's not going to give you a big spike um, in your blood sugar, but enough that it's going to fuel you properly. Highly branched cyclic dextrin, which has a high molecular weight and ultra low osmolality. So that means it can empty from your stomach. These properties of HBCD, which is what that highly branched cyclic dextrin is, makes it highly soluble and promotes fast gastric emptying, virtually eliminating any gastric distress, often associated with less advanced carbohydrates. So they've really figured out this way to, um, you know, provide more caloric density. Without upsetting your without stomach. Without upsetting your stomach, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to keep experimenting it with it, maybe even try like, eight scoops and see oh, how that really? goes. Well, yeah, you could in one of those giant bottles too. Yeah, and just to see what can be tolerated. Okay. Because in general, when you're racing, the more calories you can, the, as many calories as you can tolerate, That's the better true. off you're going to be. That's true. So okay. finding that, where, where that, what, what, how much you can do, and then also like you did, back it off a little. And if you don't, it de- depends how much, how quickly you're going through a bottle mm-hmm. based on how many calories you want in the bottle. So, but I think it's a good product. I mean, you don't, it doesn't have a strong flavor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come off as like overly sticky or anything like that. So, so what I liked about it today is this, when, before I go on a, like kind of a three hour afternoon or morning ride on a weekend, I, I eat a big breakfast. Again, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I eat a big breakfast. So when I get on the bike, I'm not hungry. My, my stomach is full, but you know how my body is like, I, I burn calories really quickly and I've I've realized that I need to stay up on my calorie consumption right from the start or it's going to catch up to me in an Mm -hmm. hour, two hours, three hours. What I like about a drink mix that I can tolerate is that I can drink the mix, um, get calories in, but I don't have to like chew and eat something when I'm not hungry. Yeah. So I think that's why people don't like eat right away, right? They're just like Mm -hmm. not hungry. Oh, I just had breakfast. I'm not going to eat. Right. And then maybe like an hour and a half into it, they're like, Oh, I'm not. I'm really hungry, and you're kind of behind already. Yeah. But if you have a drink mix, then you can stay up on it. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, they're super valuable, super valuable in racing, um, and even in um, certain training situations too. So, so yeah, I think that's a good product. So, if you want to try out any of the scratch products from the feed, um, there is a 10% discount on the scratch products from them. Uh, use code We Podcast Scratch dash tfp10 i'll put the link in the show notes 
and you can um, enter that coupon code and get 10% off any of the scratch products. But I highly recommend, or we highly recommend, the, try the recovery mix. If you're looking for, if you haven't found a recovery that you enjoy, try that one. Um, and then give that super fuel a try too, if you're looking for like a high carbohydrate drink mix. So um, very good. Well, I think this leads directly into our main topic mm-hmm. here of fueling workouts. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So this topic was spurred because we just had this same conversation with mm-hmm. our adult base builder group a week or two ago. And then also our redevelopment team, because it is that time of the season, like workouts are getting like more demanding from a mm-hmm. metabolic caloric consumption standpoint with like the, the intervals, um, vo- you know, volumes going up, that sort of thing. So it's really critical to be fueling properly. So one, you can nail your workout appropriately, and then you can also recover more quickly and train the next day. Um, so we'll go through and touch on kind of a little quick refresher on fuel sources. Um, the primary goal of endurance training um, for, for, for athletes, and then also the kind of the how-to in terms of fueling your workouts um, in that regard. And then we'll have another episode later on in the future talking similarly but more specifically to like racing, stra- mm-hmm. racing fuel strategies and stuff. Um, but, I mean, in a nutshell, and we told both, you know, we told our redevelopment team and our adult athletes that, you know, without fueling your workouts, what happens is your power is going to decline if you're doing interval work, you know, to higher power efforts. Your power is going to drop and you're going to slow down. Um, I get this all the time over the years as a coach of like athletes coming to me and giving me like their race recap, for example, and they're like, you know, I felt amazing. I started great. You know, let's say it was a multi-lap race and you know, lap one and two, I was right in the lead group. And then by lap three, I was like starting to struggle a little. And then by lap four, I was off the back, you know, coach, I gotta, I need to work on my endurance. My endurance isn't there. Right. And maybe this was like a 90 minute cross country race <laughs> or something like my endurance isn't there. And I have, you know, I take a moment and I, I explain to them that, you know, I don't think endurance is the limiting factor here. It's like, what did you eat in the race? What did mm-hmm. you consume, you know, before the race, during the race? And ulti- it always ends up not enough, right? And what's happening is they've dipped heavily into their glycogen stores to the point where they were just, their body was shutting them down and, right. and make, have, forcing them to go slower because they were running out of fuel for a fast-paced, you know, hour and a half, two-hour mountain bike race. Um, or whatever the case may be. This happens in long distance races too. Um, and you know, that slowdown is not because your endurance isn't good. Um, you know, you can do three, four hour rides, no problem. Endurance is fine. But when you start going hard and digging into those glycogen stores and you're not consuming calories or enough calories, um, while you're training or racing, you, you lose power and you slow down. Exactly. So it's, it's key. But then People people can kind of get that when it comes to racing, mm-hmm. but I think that people don't always get that when it comes to like a training session. True. That is true. It's a little harder to get through sometimes that concept because when you're training, what I mean, what is the goal of training? The tra- training, you want to do good quality work. It, more often than not, if you have intervals to hit, you are trying to hit a specific power output, okay? Um, 
for X amount of minutes or whatever the case may be. And you, that those kind of higher intensity intervals are going to be heavy demand on glycogen. And as you start to dip into your glycogen stores, one, there's a little bit of a lag, so to speak, um, that is, it's a little bit slower to sort of like unpack that glycogen and, and get it into the bloodstream and deliver it to your muscles, as opposed to if you're consuming carbohydrates like while you're riding, while you're training. Okay, uh, let's recap that one more time. This is what we talked about before we started recording. Mm-hmm. There was like a aha moment for me recently where I'm like, well, but why do you want to spare the glycogen? Like, tell me the why behind that statement. And I, I hadn't really quite processed before that... It's like you said, like, the, yeah, the muscles, you kind of, like, dig into the muscles and, like, harvest the glycogen out of the stored reserves in the muscles. Like, it's just, like, hard to get to. It's slow. It's slow, yeah. It's definitely slower to get to. So if you can be consuming it and it's already yeah. in your bloodstream, then it's already, like, on the fast track to helping you. Right. Um, so it's still super critical to fuel your workout so you can hit the power numbers. And then also the the less you can dig into your glycogen stores, then the less there is a need to replenish those glycogen stores. Therefore, your recovery process is faster because one of the big pieces of recovery is refilling one's glycogen stores. You know, when you go do a hard workout or a race, you know, two primary things happen. You break down, there's actual muscle damage at the cellular, cellular level. And then there's also that drawdown, you know, of, the glycogen stores. Think of think of your glycogen stores as like the little battery meter um, on your cell phone, right? And it's like you use your cell phone a lot, the battery meter goes down, right? It goes from green to yellow to red, and it says, "Plug me in," or, you know, I'm going to die. That's bonking. Your phone's about to bonk on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the 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 further you draw it down before you plug it in to recharge it, the longer it has to sit there to recharge back up, mm-hmm. right, and recover. Same thing when you're working out. The more you draw down your glycogen stores, the longer the time it takes to replenish it and get it back to full strength. Um, Our body is pretty quick at doing that, but it is one of the steps and measures of recovery. And when you draw it way down, it's actually fairly stressful on your body then to, you know, have to replenish it and, and fill it back up. So if you always sort of stay on top of it and minimize the drawdown, then you're going to recover more quickly, be ready for the next day for whatever you got on your training plan too. So that's kind of the main reasons why you still want to fuel properly for your workouts. Mm -hmm. And it drives me nuts too when people say like, I'm going to do this workout fasted or, you know, I'm going to, I just ate so I don't need any fuel. It's like, no, you, by all means, you can finish the workout and maybe you can even hit all the numbers, but you don't, it took a toll on your body. It's more than that. Yeah, yeah. Think beyond that. You know, if you, I mean, you can go in theory, you have enough carbohydrate storage for the general fit athlete of about two hours of high intensity work, like a two hour race. You could get from start to finish. But are you going as fast and as high of power as you could if you were consuming carbohydrates within that two hours? Definitely not. I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to start slowing down significantly. Can you get to the finish line? Yes. But is it going to be your best performance? Definitely not. Yeah. I think for me, the light bulb moment for using more calories in training is the idea that I want to recover faster. I want my body to be less stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I had a giant breakfast before we got on the bike ride this morning, but I had 
finished my water bottle full of the 300 calories of the super fuel within the first 45 minutes. And that felt really good. Like, okay, I'm, I'm staying on top of this. Yeah, then you, you never dip down and lose any power and you can ride steadily yeah. like the whole ride for sure. So let's go over fuel yeah. sources real quick. We almost kind of got ahead of ourselves a little bit, but we <laughs> have... we got excited Yeah, we have three main sources of fuel, really two. And the third one is um, purely like an anaerobic fuel source, but we'll hit it anyways. So we have fat. Everyone's heard of fat. We have, everyone has plenty of fat on them, regardless of how s- small or skinny a person is. We have more or less unlimited fat stores. Um, that's one of the great things of being a, a, an aerobic animal um, is that you can kind of have an endless supply of, of energy. Now, you have an endless supply of energy, but you're not necessarily going to be able to go very quickly with mm-hmm. that energy, right? So um, you could go a very long distance, but you're not going to go very quickly um, when we're u- using fat for fuel in general. And we, As an endurance athlete, and we'll get into this in a minute, you want to actually train to be able to improve your power output while using a high level of fat so you can spare the glycogen but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second so fat's one of the the fuel sources and we're always also to clarify we're always burning a mixture of these two fuel sources so fat and then carbohydrates everyone's heard of them that's our fast burning um we'll call it high octane where fat think of fuel fat is like diesel fuel you know mm-hmm. it's good for the long haul steady power um Carbohydrate is that high octane, you know, that you'd want in your like performance car to to go from zero to sixty quickly. Diesel engines don't go from zero to sixty very quickly because um, <laughs> they're burning fat. No, they're not really, but um, same idea. And glycogen. The caveat with glycogen and carbohydrates is there's a very limited availability. Where fat, it's unlimited. Um, but we're always burning a ratio of both for the most part. We're always burning a little bit of carbs and a lot of fat if we're doing very little. And then the more the intensity scale goes up, the more carbohydrates we burn and the less fat we're burning. And then the third one, which we tap into only in like true anaerobic activities, is um, creatine phosphate. Um, and that's like weightlifting, like a true real like sprint type effort. Um, think of that as that like like rocket fuel. Um, if we're going with like the diesel fuel, I think you are going with that high octane. This is now like <laughs> yeah, like the jet fuel. <laughs> um, but it's extremely short. It does recharge itself, but it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't, as endurance athletes, we don't have to concern ourselves terribly with that. But that's why weightlifters like creatine supplements is because they, they're getting a little bit more of that fuel source that they do rely on um, somewhat significantly. So anyway, back to fat and carbohydrates <clears throat> is this also all ties into our energy systems of, you know, the oxidative energy system, the glycolytic energy system, and the ATP energy system that we talked about a couple of podcast episodes before. And that's what we're in training, what we're targeting, right, is these different energy systems. You have the aerobic, fat-burning, fat-oxidizing, oxidative in- energy system, and then you have the higher intensity glycolytic glycogen. There's a connection there, right? Where you're burning glycogen to do the work in that energy system. So it's all kind of tied together. And it's kind of interesting because really it all boils down to the, intent, the intensity level at which one working is working is re- 
directly related to fuel metabolism. I mean, that's really what intensity is, is mm. what fuel are you burning or what percentage of fuels are you burning? And that mm. di dictates your intensity level. So they actually, in, in, you can go into like a laboratory test and do like a, a ramp test. They put the gas mask on you and they're collecting the, the O going in and, or the O2 going in and the CO2 going out and all that. And they can pinpoint exactly where your aerobic threshold is. And they can see exactly where you're at 50% fat, 50% carbohydrates, right? We estimate it in our training. But if you wanted to pinpoint it exactly, a laboratory can do that. Keep ramping up the intensity. They can find where that you know anaerobic threshold is, where you've now shifted to almost you know heavily predominantly uh, carbohydrates and minimal fats, right? And and what what the ratio of fat to carbohydrate is is intensity goes up. So mm. it all boils down to intensity is what percentage of fuel are you are you burning? So that should in itself kind of make it very obvious that fueling. Is super important because mm -hmm. how hard you're going is a relationship of the fuel being used. Have you done one of those um, ramp tests? The I have. It's been a long time. What do, you, what do you call it? Uh, like a metabolic okay. test. Or, You've done it? Yeah. It seems like it'd be really fascinating. It is really interesting. And you get like an exact number, power and heart rate. Um, I mean, there's always going to be like some fluctuations in there, but mm. of where that threshold, all the different thresholds and energy systems like happen it's, mm. it is kind of interesting i mean it's neat in a laboratory i don't know how accurate it is yeah. taking it outside um and that's one of my beefs with you know science versus real life they don't always line up but um, yeah but i do think it's very cool that oh it is that scientists have figured that out like the the gases you're exhaling are telling you what fuel you're burning yeah that's pretty cool yeah because it has to I forget exactly the the percent of carbon dioxide being expelled has to do with how much because when you're oxidizing fat the carbons or the oxygens or something that you know they're breaking apart yeah. and then forming co2 it, yeah. and then they can tell you know it's very cool it's very chemistry <laughs> and we fade off because we've lost well we already yeah. yeah but it's really cool i guess that's my my, my bottom line yeah i would actually like to try that sometime yeah it is really cool um well i know a guy in denver that can can do that um <clears throat> yeah so it all then Again, the, the goal of an endurance athlete is, one, you want to train your body to create more power, do more work while utilizing a uh, higher percentage of fat, essentially, right? Therefore, you're, doing, you're going faster, you're doing more power while using less of your glycogen. So then when you really need to start pedaling really hard in a mm -hmm. race, for example, you have more of that glycogen available to press on the gas pedal, essentially. Okay. Because it all goes back to my first little story of why did you lose the group on lap four of the race? Because your glycogen was depleted. You went to step on the gas pedal and there was nothing there and you know they rode away from you. So if the faster you can go while relying less on glycogen and more on the fat, then when you really want to go hard, you have more glycogen at your disposal. And it's a cool, you know, a way to look at it here too is, is really neat. Like if you're, if you've ever done a group ride, um, and you're, you know, there's, you have cat five racers, cat three, you know, you have maybe some pros are in the ride or whatever. Right. And it's like, I can keep up, you know, actually I did the, the shootout group ride actually last week. 
um, down in Tucson, right? And, you know, it's one of the biggest group rides in the, in the country and there's always pros in the winter that are on there. I can keep up on that, on the ride. It's hard for sure. But what's always interesting kind of going through my mind is I'm like, you know, hanging on, um, <laughs> you know, keep, you know, trying my best to not get dropped and keep up with the, the pros pushing the pace at the front is that, you know, we're all doing similar like watts per kilogram in the moment because we're all traveling down the road at the same pace. But I can guarantee you I'm burning a much higher level of carbohydrates than the super fit world tour guy that's on the front. You know, he's probably still aerobic or close to it, build, burning a higher percentage of fat mm-hmm. compared to my higher percentage of carbohydrates. So yes, I'm hanging on. But then if he decided to like really hit it, yeah, attack you. I'm done. Yeah. Right? Like then then I'm gonna push on it a little bit and my sugar levels are gonna go down. <laughs> my battery's gonna run down and do that enough times and you get dropped. Right. Um, so that that's what's really cool about the big picture is like <clears throat> the fitter someone is, they're always gonna be utilizing less carbohydrates than the less fit person beside them. So when crunch time comes in a race, they have more carbohydrates available. They're going to pedal away from you. So yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, and some of that sometimes that can even even the more powerful person, if they're not as aerobically fit, will run out of carbohydrates, and maybe the slightly less fit but more aerobically fit has oh less powerful less powerful, yeah, but is more aerobically fit mm-hmm. can hang on to the carbohydrates longer right. so and then can ultimately still go. come out ahead of the more powerful yeah. person. Yeah. Then oh, and so I always smile riding with our juniors and our U23 racers is a lot of them now are more powerful than I am. They're yeah. they're stronger in the gym, they can put out more watts on the bike. But I have a more highly developed aerobic system, so I can kind of like wear them down a little bit. If we're doing like a race, that would be the strategy, right? Is I like kind of wear them down a little bit with some moderate efforts dip into their glycogen stores hope they haven't listened to you to take right. their gels. <laughs> and then when it's like go time and you, you go, I can do like multiple repeated like little attacks, dig down their glycogen stores, and then when I want to go, I go, and I have more carbohydrates at my disposal, and I can sometimes right. beat them. So, yeah. I mean, those days the are limited. The devious plotting. But it's like an interesting, Cody. yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> way to think about when you're out riding, training, racing of like, who's going to beat who often yeah. comes down to that percentage of fuel being combusted, you know, and what's left. So yesterday, the three boys who drove down from Durango did the, the cross-country race out at White Tanks, mm-hmm. and we did it last year. The, so I lined up at the, the start with a bunch of ladies. I've all, like, I was probably the, the oldest, to be honest. And, you know, like our daughter Sophia was in the group, a lot of the, those young, fast ones, and then like some of the pros were there. Mm-hmm. They took off so fast. I was like, good God Almighty. I, I'm not, I, okay. So we, I think we have three laps. And by the third lap, I started picking off some of the younger, like the teenage girls mm-hmm. who had started out so strong. And they probably are really like more powerful and like faster than I am. But I have a feeling they, bless their little hearts, had yeah. not taken in calories. And I am decently aerobically fit. And it was kind of fun, like to go flying by them on that last lap. Right, right. So you nailed it. Like two things probably happened. One, they went really hard at the start. Yes. So that was a massive dig into their glycogen stores <laughs> right from the get go. Yeah. You are not a fast starter by nature, but what that does is it's like already conserving some of your carbohydrates, your glycogen, mm-hmm. right? 
And then we could probably venture a pretty accurate guess that they didn't consume enough calories. Most young people don't. And so then they started to fade. You, you're very good at consuming the right amount of calories. And so you were actually like gaining speed, you know, I know, but my mom heart, my coach heart, like when I went by a couple of these girls, I was like, Oh. Yeah, didn't you even hand some some gels? I I, I just like, oh, if you would have just taken your gels, you'd right. be ahead of me. Like, I don't want to demoralize you. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example of they are technically stronger and faster than you, but yeah. your fuel metabolism was better. It was than better. Them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's all so interesting and important. And what's really great, too, that there is a training component that has to take place to get that metabolic rate in your body, but the consumption of fuel is totally easy and doable. The person just has to do it. Right. You know, it's like a quick fix, I guess. You know, the the metabolic changes maybe are a little slower and do take some effort. Exactly, exactly. But you could flip this around tomorrow, someone could, and start fueling properly, and they're going to take themselves to a whole other level. So. Right. You just gained a huge fitness boost, right. air quotes, right. by just consuming some sugars. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so another way then, because we, t- we talked about sparing glycogen a lot, um, to spare glycogen is to supplement with carbohydrates. So it's piggybacking off exactly what we talk about. So supplementing carbohydrates what i mean by that is consuming carbohydrates while you're training or racing Mm -hmm. because and i think i said this already at the beginning as you suck down a gel or a drink mix for example with carbohydrates that goes immediately into your blood sugar into your blood system Mm -hmm. and is available for fuel for your working muscles whereas your glycogen we have about roughly i think it's like 2,000 calories i think there's 800 ish in our liver that our liver wants to really hold on to that because that's what feeds the carbohydrates to our brain. So mm-hmm. the liver does not want to share that with our, with our muscles. Like it's holding on desperately. I mean, if it comes down to it, it will, but it's hard to unpack that and get that to our muscles. Then our muscles themselves are storage banks for carbohydrates. Mm. That's another point of zone two aerobic base training is you can actually train your muscles to pack more glycogen into the into the muscles themselves mm, fascinating. so a more fit person can hold more glycogen and that's also as a side note why when you go into like a taper or a recovery week and you're not training as much you often gain a little bit of weight glycogen binds or bonds with water i think it's like one to three ratio or something like that and is heavy. So you gain weight because when your glycogen stores are filled, mm. you'll literally gain like three pounds and not even really realize it because um, it's like water weight attached to the glycogen. So um, that's like a side note. But yeah, Science um, is so cool. Yeah, it's all, it's all super interesting. So the more fit you are, the more carbohydrates you can store. But that stored carbohydrates or glycogen, still there's a little bit of a delay. Our body works great at getting it out to the muscles that need to do the work, but it's a little bit, takes a little bit longer compared to the sugars in our blood system that are like, because basically the, you have to get the carbohydrates out of the muscle storage. And I think it gets into the bloodstream and then goes to Mm -hmm, the working muscles mm -hmm. um, where if you, so there's a, some kind of time delay involved in that versus sugar that you're drinking or eating and it's already right. in the blood you know it goes from our stomach into our bloodstream and um, 
into that. So it's more easily accessible, basically. So if you can consume sugars while you're training and racing, it's going to use that up first. It's going to take a less of a hit in the carbohydrates. And that's why we can do seven, eight hour long races like Leadville, for example, as long as we're consuming lots of carbohydrates. If we didn't consume carbohydrates, we'd use up our 2000-ish calories of, or, you know, uh, glycogen up in a couple hours and then we'd have to slow way down because we'd only have fat at this point. And you'd be sobbing by hour four. <laughs> yeah, you'd go keto, um, hooray, but you wouldn't be going very fast <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the rest of the way. You'd feel so miserable. Uh, yeah, so that's why you have to consume those calories while you're racing um, so you can avoid depleting that battery yeah. bank of glycogen because um, once you do, you're, you've bunked. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk about some strategies on how to supplement or how to fuel. Um, right, because I mean, for, for God's sakes, you can just fill up your bottle and start drinking it and take gels. But there are people out there just like you who want to like map out the numbers, and this is really fun. Yeah. So get your calculators out <laughs> or your pen and paper or your abacus, Yeah. and here we go. Yeah, so planning ahead is first step. You want to think about ahead of what you're going to be doing. As a general rule, the at least in a race situation, the more carbohydrates you can consume per hour, the better off you are until you hit the point at which it's not emptying from your stomach. And there comes like bloating and gastric distress. So you don't want to get that far. So there, everyone has different limits there that can be trained somewhat. Um, but planning ahead and figuring out how many calories per hour you can tolerate is, is super important, especially if you're doing a long distance kind of race. Right, but are we, are we going to focus mostly on the training right yeah, now? Yeah, we'll save focus the race on, yeah, stuff for, for sure. another time. Okay. So, for training, you want to figure out your planned caloric expenditure of the workout or the ride that you're going to go do. So, some general rules of thumb: endurance riding, so like zones one, two, three, you know, aerobic ish kind of riding. Most people, depending on body size and whatnot, will burn about four hundred to six hundred calories per hour as a rough estimate. Um, when you ramp up the intensity for an interval session or a fast-paced group ride or something like that, um, calories per hour will go up more to like six to 800 calories per hour. And then when you get into like really high intensity, like continuous racing, it could be 800 to 1,000 or more calories Oof. per hour. So yeah. super high-intensity race, you, you'll burn over 1,000 calories per hour, but the race probably won't last that long. It might only be a you know, a 60 minute crit or something like that. Um, so th- those are kind of the, the ranges. So what you want to do as like a fueling strategy is first pre-ride, your pre-ride meal, you want to aim for about one half of the uh, expected caloric expenditure for the ride. Okay, so th- you want to think about, okay, what intensity is my ride going to be? How long is my ride going to be? Do the math and you've got a number. Um, that pre-ride meal can be a mix of carbohydrates and fats, and then it should be kind of based on the intensity level. So an endurance ride, for example, can lean more towards the fat side of things. So maybe, uh, I don't know, probably like, uh, I don't know, 40% fat, 60% carbohydrates, roughly, um, something like that. If you're going to go do an interval session, you probably want mostly carbohydrates with a little bit of fat. Mm -hmm. Reason being is fat just takes longer to digest. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go ride for a few hours, that's fine. If you're going to go ride for an hour and a half, two hours, and you're going to do some high intensity, you don't want all that heaviness in your stomach. You you want access to the carbs um, 
while you're doing your intervals and stuff. Then mid-ride, you want to aim for about a half of the calories per hour that you are burning. So going back to our talk, endurance riding, four to 600 calories per hour. So if you're burning, say, 500 calories per hour, you want to be consuming about 250 calories per hour. What do you mean when you say mid-ride? Like um, within your ride. Okay. So like across your, your ride. Okay. I thought it, you made it sound like you don't eat until you're halfway through no, your no, ride. No, no. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Within your ride. You want okay. to consume half of what your ride is planned to expect. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought maybe that was a, mis- a misspeak. Okay. So say you're going to go on a, an endurance ride and you're going to estimate 500 calories an hour. You're mm-hmm. gonna, you think you'll be out there for three hours. Mm-hmm. 1,500 calories. Right. So walk us through that. How much should the pre-ride meal be? Uh, half of that, so 750 calories, roughly. Roughly. Okay. Um, if it's an endurance ride, you know, it, like I said, it could be a little more on some extra fat in there mm-hmm. um, and, and carbs. And then planning for that ride, you would you'd want to have enough calories on your body or in in your bottle on your bike to cover the other 750. Well, yeah. So it's a three hour ride. Um, you're burning 1500 calories. In total, you want to burn half of that. That's the 750, mm-hmm. exactly. And then you could break it down per hour. That's about 250 an hour. Or I would even recommend breaking it down to the half hour and do like 125 every half an hour. So, yeah, not to be confused when I said mid-ride, it's not like an hour and a half of a three-hour ride consumes 750 calories. <laughs> that wouldn't yeah, go so well. Yeah, you meant during the ride. Yeah, within yeah. the ride. And start immediately, too. Like, you know, start sipping on some drinks, taking some snacks. I mean, within... Don't wait more than like 30 minutes to start getting on top of it because otherwise you'll find yourself maybe 90 minutes in and you haven't had anything and then you got to, yeah, we've all already behind that. the eight ball. I mean, yeah. that's why I said I liked, I liked having that drink next to my bottle today because right. I wasn't hungry at all, but I wanted to keep those sugars topped off. Yeah. And that's a common thing. It's like, don't wait till you're hungry. Then it's way too late. Um, so yeah. that's why drinks and palatable things like the chews that you might enjoy eating or mm-hmm. something like that is, is, is helpful. And then, so, yeah, so mathematically it adds up. If you eat half your calories before your ride and half your calories across your ride, mm-hmm. you've consumed the same amount of calories you've just expended and you've performed well. But what if I was trying to lose weight? Then you do that the rest of the day. Don't <laughs> sacrifice your training in favor of trying to lose weight. Yeah. Right? And I'm just throwing that out there because you know people struggle with that idea. Like, yeah. I'm trying to lose weight, so I'm not going to eat on my ride. Right. That is a bad strategy because what happens is you do less power. So you're going to, the goal when you're training is to try and do more power. Therefore, you'll actually burn more calories. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll also, you'll get more fit. You'll improve your muscle tone over mm-hmm. time. More muscle, burn more fat, um, burns more calories. You know, there's all those benefits. So when you're sort of like restricting on a ride, you're like kind of double damaging yourself you know Mm -hmm. you're you're not getting as fit as you could and then likely you're actually going to be more hungry the rest of the ride too because like rest of the day yeah sorry the rest of the day because if you fuel properly you should finish all your rides not hungry and that's something too like we've all been there we've done a ride and like we get home and we're ravenous (laughs) we've depleted everything so far that first you're going to make bad food choices because you're starving you reach for the chips and junk food um and then it also leads to like poor habits the rest of the day. Um, I remember last year. When, sorry, I'm laughing because I'm remembering this like moment. I was on a ride by myself down here in Arizona last winter. 
I clearly didn't feel well because I was like freaking out riding back to your dad's house. Mm -hmm. I stopped at that like gas station right there, the corner that's like not, it's, it's like a quarter mile from your dad's house. I could not make it back to your dad's house without desperately stopping and like running in. I think I got like a chocolate milk and Dorito, not Cheetos. And I was like so gross because I yeah. had like lost my mind. Right. I couldn't even ride another quarter mile to your dad's house. And right. I was like shoving all this in my mouth on the curb like a crazy person. Yeah. So you probably depleted your glycogen <laughs> battery all the way down. Yeah. Made some bad choices there. And then it takes longer to fill it up. So oh, yeah. it, it spurs more like carbohydrate cravings later in the day. So it's like. Yeah. It's, I'm still learning, guys. Yeah. I'm still learning. <laughs> right. I still had that moment of like the the shameful shoving of Cheetos in my mouth on the curb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so staying on top of it and finishing your ride fully fueled, you're going to recover faster and you're going to make much better food choices the rest of the day. Um, it's amazing. And yeah. then also if you're working out late later in the evening and you're going to have to go to bed fairly soon after, then you, it's not like you, you don't necessarily have to have like a, a dinner or something after. You can do your workout if you feel fueled properly. Finish with a recovery drink. That was a, the last step is post-ride. 100 to 300 calories of a recovery drink that's mm-hmm. got um, some carbs and some protein um, will help replenish what glycogen you did dip into, mm-hmm. um, give you some uh, protein to help kind of rebuild the muscles a bit as well. And that may be all you need before going to bed if you're working out in the right. evening too. And that way you don't have to like then have more time to eat a meal and then you're going to bed with like a full stomach and then your sleep gets kind of jeopardized and the quality of that goes down. So everything kind of stacks on top of how you fuel your workout for the rest of your day or evening. So super critical. Um, some quick tips on learning all of the stuff, like how your body works in terms of calories per hour and all that sort of thing is if you have a power meter on your bike, you can set a, a screen, um, field on your head unit that will keep track of the calories burned within it, within your ride. So you can kind of keep an eye on that. Um, it's really interesting. Even in Leadville last year, while I was racing, I had that as like a pri- mm, primary mm-hmm. metric. I didn't care how many miles I had left. I wanted to know how many calories I have been burning because it's based off of how much, how many Watts you're doing. That's, that's really um, cool. And so I was always doing math in my head. My fuel plan was, I was hitting, a, you know, a specific amount of calories every 30 minutes. And, um, I was making sure that that was staying ahead of that mm. curve. And I was always like just a little bit ahead of like that half calorie consumption. Um, and it, it works. I mean, it, it, it well, it really did work for you. You didn't yeah. slow down. Like you, yeah. you were on track to break seven hours and that didn't fade. Like, you know, you actually surged right. ahead and even went stronger. Right, right. Because f- the feeling, That's I, cool, I nailed the feeling for sure um, on that day. And then the other fun one to see that helps you kind of get a good idea of like that whole like percentage and like metabolic combustion rate while you're pedaling is there's a real time calorie per hour rate. So it'll display calories per hour based on how much power you're putting out. So if you're like noodling along, it might say like 250 calories an hour, and then you go up to like zone three or what, you know, you start pushing and it'll go up 700 calories per hour. You know, you really start cranking on it, you might hit like a thousand calories per hour. Of course, that would only be for a few seconds in a mm-hmm. training ride. Um, but it's interesting to start relating like while you're doing your 32 minute power intervals, which we're gonna talk about in a second, you can see, oh, when I'm at that power output, you know, 106% of my FTP, that's equating to 
I'm just going to throw it out there like 700 calories per hour or whatever, mm. whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then you can start to put together like if I'm going this hard, I'm burning this many calories. And I need to put this many pouches in, in my yeah. my back pocket and for back the into the yeah. tank. Yeah, oh, that's so, so interesting. So I, I find that kind of fun just to watch while you're doing while you're riding and doing intervals and stuff. Um, so, all right, that was good. Did we more than cover all that? Well, <laughs> it's just really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before on the podcast multiple times, but I have just like sadness and regret of. All these years of racing that I did underfueled, mm-hmm. like it just ah, Silver Rush comes to mind. The, the fifty mile race in Leadville, mm-hmm. I got second overall. It was pretty amazing. Well, Ju- Julie Dibbs was thirty minutes ahead of me, so <laughs> she crushed me. But nevertheless, I, I feel like maybe I could have been only twenty minutes behind her or fifteen minutes behind her had I actually taken in more than like a hundred or two hundred calories an hour. For God's sake, right. like it was just so insane. Right. Right. So yeah. anyway, just I I don't want other people to have to learn the hard way or like waste like good years of racing. Mm-hmm. For sure, makes a big big difference. All right, um, let's touch on thirty two minute power intervals. So okay. those of us um, in our base builder training group um, or anyone following our base builder training plans, which are available on Training Peaks by the way and our website, um, <clears throat> we are moving into the. 32 minute power intervals. So it's a notch up from three week, the two weeks ago before our recovery week where we we're doing 64 minute power intervals. Because as you recall, if you listen to our recent episode on energy systems, um, we like to have a specific power output that relates to a duration that relates to the energy system that we're targeting. So 32 minute power, our max 32 minute power is basically the top of our anaerobic threshold. And that would equate to, depending on your fatigue rate, um, about 105 to 108% maybe of one's FTP or six to, or sorry, five to 8% above one's 64 minute power because that relates closer to one's FTP. Does that make sense? Well, it does to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Um, all right. So we're trying to train our maximum 32 minute power. So if you're going to go as hard as you could for 32 minutes, Whatever that power is, that's what we want to train. We have discussed our interval philosophy. We like to take that power, break it up into intervals. Little baby intervals. Little, yeah, little intervals. So the the cornerstone workout would be four times eight minutes at our 32-minute power. That would yield 32 minutes worth of work at our 32-minute maximum power. Sounds like a good workout. You're able to train that power without completely destroying yourself. Um, so you you keep the stress at a minimum while the quality high and you recover and you're able to continue training. Um, as opposed to if you just went and did as hard as you could for 32 minutes because that would take quite a while to recover from. Um, we train, we're training the muscles to do the work, the power. We're still watching how our heart rate responds to that work. Mm-hmm. It's very important. That's for super important. Heart rate should get to 90% of max. Um, and possibly up to 92%, but in any of our intervals, we don't like to go above 92% of our max heart rate in training. You know, the red light is flashing and the alarms are blaring. Right, and that's a tough concept for a lot of people to get. Like, well, for training, you know, high intensity and we're racing, you know, max effort, why aren't we training maximally? Bottom line is, put simply, going max effort is way too stressful in the body. It's not sustainable. Like, you could do it for a couple mm-hmm. sessions maybe, 
But before long, you're going to get sick. You're going to have an injury. You're going to any number of things. Or just not have that extra umph on race day because you've done it time and time again in training and you're just like freaking sick of it. Yeah. Or just not have that much fun in general and then you hate training. So then your whole season goes down the tube too. So we're all about sustainability, keeping stress as low as possible while still doing the appropriate amount of work that we're trying to target. So we're training our muscles to do the work. We want to keep an eye on heart rate because that's letting us know how hard this work is to accomplish. So it is base builder season. We're going to do the same strategy that we did for 64-minute power intervals, Mm -hmm. and we're going to break those four by eight-minute intervals into little mini broken intervals to ease into it. So the first session might be three to four times, four times two minutes, that's Mm -hmm. the eight minutes, with little 30-second recoveries in between the two minutes. And that would create one set. You get eight minutes worth of work, you just get uh, three little mini 30-second recoveries in there. That's going to help keep your heart rate checked. You're going to be successful at hitting the power, and it's not going to be overly stressful on your body. If you happen to be in the green, as we've talked about before, using your Whoop wearable or Aura Ring or whatever device um, you have that's telling you you're ready to take on more strain, you could simply add an additional set of the 4x2 with 30-second breaks at your 32-minute power. Um, So it's a really well-thought-out way to do good quality work minimizing stress, right? Uh, then we would progress to the next workout. We're just going to extend the amount of time we hold within those intervals before we get our break. So we, for that eight-minute sets, we'll just do two times four minutes with a 30 to 45-second break in between the two two-minute or two four-minute sections <laughs> um, to get your eight minutes. And you do three to four of those depending on the person um, and the training load you're looking for. Again, if you're in the green, you can add an additional set, get a little extra training load on the day and then you'd continue then perhaps if those all went well you'd progress to the next workout you know probably the following week because we do two high intensity interval uh, sessions a week to the full eight minutes at your 32 minute power twice like both the sessions on the second week if if those first two sessions went well well yeah now if you find yourself struggling when we say struggling if your heart rate's going over 92 Mm percent say in the uh two by four minute broken eight minute interval then that's saying this is hard enough like then just repeat that workout Mm -hmm. the next week like wait till you can hit those numbers do Mm -hmm. that work the power without with your body not having to like overly exert itself yeah we're kind of learning that with our development writers that the uh, shorter intervals are just better for their where they are aerobically uh, their aerobic fitness for the younger yeah. people in particular yeah yeah because yeah. they don't have that aerobic base because they're young so mm-hmm. uh the shorter intervals typically end up working out better for them um yeah so that'd be our strategy for for those um, so these are definitely challenging intervals especially as they get longer if you mm-hmm. have to hold them for eight minutes at a time it's definitely especially tough. if you're on the trainer i, I trainer do remember doing these in the studio and the eight minutes felt like it was long yeah it is a it is a still a pretty long time to do it that's why we're going to build up to it incrementally mm-hmm. it's all that's about good. progression building up and making sure you're recovering well um if you can be in the green so to speak that's the way to do it all, all our version four training plans and our version four base builder program we're incorporating the whoop device for those that have it or you know want to use that it could also be used like i said with an aura ring or an apple watch or garmin a lot of these um wearables have like a readiness or recovery score 
So when you get that positive um, indication, the green in the WHOOP language, then it's saying your body's ready for some more strain. So you can do an extra set of intervals on that given day. If you're yellow, that means you're kind of in a normal status. And if you happen to be in red, then I just wouldn't try the intensity and just go for like a recovery ride instead. Because mm-hmm. that's saying like your body's already like a little bit overexerted. Let's back it off. Um, and then hopefully you get back in the yellow or the green um, in the days to come. So yeah, if you're interested in trying the Whoop device yourself, um, the version 4 is, is now out. Um, and you can go to join.whoop.com forward slash with we. Um, and that landing page um, is set up for our podcast listeners and our athletes. You get you can actually get the device for free, the Whoop 4.0, and the first month of the membership for free. Um, and then you can choose what membership you you know payment method from that point forward that you want to do. So it's a good way to try it. You can get into it for as little as like um, a six month. So you're paying for five of those six months okay. um, and give it a try. I think it's been really. I know it's been helpful for my own. A lot of our, half of our junior team is on it and it's working quite well. Yeah, more and more kids are ordering it. Yeah, and they're paying more attention to the recovery, which is, is key. And some are sleeping a little bit more. Some are sleeping a little some bit more. Some are just causing me stress. Right. <laughs> yeah, because we have a group, we have like a group within the Whoop app so we can see all our athletes' I can't look at it status. every day. It's like too upsetting to me. Yeah, and we can see how many hours they sleep <laughs> and, and some of the college kids in particular are pretty, uh, they're minimal uh, to say the least, but... Well, they, they'll learn. They're, they're yeah, they, yeah, they are learning. Um, well, it sounds like, too, on this, the, the show notes are going to have, like, a lot of codes again, like like we have lately. We have a lot of things, fun things in the works and mm-hmm. promo codes and stuff. So if, it, if you're interested in, in the feed, um, that that discount code, that promo code, and um, all the other ones we mentioned. Yeah, the whoops, our training plans, all that stuff. We'll Thank put you. In I the, was rambling. You saved notes. me. Yeah, show notes. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that covers it. Okay. For this week? I'm good. Okay. All right. Let's go eat some Mexican. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. Time to re- refuel. Yes. Mexican food's not the best fuel, but it sure <laughs> tastes good. <laughs> but we're going to go hang out with friends. It's going to yeah. be good. All right. So thanks for listening, everybody. Read the show notes. Reach out if you have questions. You can email us at Kathy or Cody at teamweight.com. It's Kathy with a K, Cody with a C. Um, that's it. We'd love ratings and reviews if you have a few seconds to do that as well. Definitely. And we'll be back in two weeks with hopefully more good stuff. All right. Thanks, everybody. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the Weight Endurance Training Community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.